Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Listeners, if you haven't been listening the last few weeks, we encourage you before listening to today's episode to start with number 60. Because starting with episode 60, we are revisiting the cause and effect metaphor that we first presented in episodes 10 and 11, because that is language that we use throughout the show. So we were getting feedback that some of you weren't sure what we were talking about. Maybe you hadn't listened to those episodes or some of you that had listened to those episodes wanted clarity on those concepts. And so we started doing that with episode 60. If you are caught up, what we're going to do today is we're going to bring it all together. So we've looked at the key areas of the metaphor separately, and now we're going to kind of look at what it looks like for a person to move through these areas to do the work. And listeners, you can do this work in coaching, but you can also do this work using this show. That's what we put this show out there for. We get feedback all of the time that listeners are able to do their own work using the framework of this show. So our intention in breaking this down is to help you better see how you can start to forge your own path, whether it be on your own, with the supportive people around you, or with a coach. So just to put a timestamp on these episodes was that 60 dropped on the 14th of December of this year, and then 10 and 11 were back in January of this year, 2020. So way back in January, it was 10 and 11 when we introduced this model. And here we are back with it because it's really, it has legs. It really does. Absolutely. So before we bring it all together, Cam, I want to say a little bit about why we're so passionate about this model and this show. And if you don't mind, I'm going to bring fish back into the equation, if that's okay. Oh, I, I thought we might because... People, you can't see Shelly, but she's got the full fish regalia. <laughs> <laughs> he met me with dark glasses. <laughs> and, My best tie-dye. Yeah, and Jimi Hendrix. So, <laughs> tie-dye t-shirt. Yeah. So, Cam, when we were talking about Shakedown Street last week and two weeks ago, as relates to the lunch counter, it got me thinking about taking a person to their first fish show. So those of you listening, you're going to have one of three reactions to me talking about fish. Either you have no idea what I'm talking about. You have heard of fish. Maybe you've even heard some of their music and you think it's terrible, which is kind of the common reaction, I would say. Or you're a unicorn like me and you're already on board and you're a fan, in which case you'll understand what I'm talking about from a fan's perspective. So Taking someone to their first fish show is my favorite thing to do as a fan because number one, it doesn't start cold. You don't just tell your work buddy, hey, I've got an extra fish ticket. Do you want to go with me? Because they're going to have a bad time. It's usually a friend that you've had for a while that knows you're a big fan and that starts to get curious about what is it? about this band that causes you to take entire summers off to go on tour? What is it about this band that you don't just want to see them once, but you want to see them 10 times, 20 times, 50 times, hundreds of times? 
what's up with that? So you start laying some groundwork, sending them some clips that they might like, trying to get them to see what you see. But that's not enough. The rubber meets the road when you take them to the show. Because the thing about fish and the thing that brings people back over and over again to a fish show is the experience is about so much more than just the music. It's really a collective experience. It's an educated audience because none of us has seen fish just once. So when they do something really subtle and really cool, 20,000 people all react at the same time. And that's a cool thing to witness if you know what's going on. If you don't know what's going on, it can be confusing and disorienting and even off-putting. So it's one of those things where you're either in or you're out. Now, stay with me here. The parallel here is that as podcast hosts and as coaches, Cam and I are trying to bring you to where we are, to this acceptance and ownership place of your own ADHD. Cam, I know you've seen it in clients. I've seen it in clients. When you get that shift, when you see that client shift from, I just want to be free from pain, help me be free from these things, to that bigger picture of, this is my unique brain wiring. I see this differently now, and therefore I see everything else that I'm bringing to coaching differently now. It's a magical moment. It is just as magical for me as watching a friend who I take to their first fish show have that first moment where a collective experience happens and you see them, instead of being confused, become part of it. It's so cool. It's why, I don't know about you, but it's a big part of why I do this is those moments because that is the place where you can start to do your bigger work. That is the place where you can start to become this more powerful version of yourself. The challenging part of having ADHD is that this readiness for change. So I think that our third episode was on readiness for change. And that's what you're saying here is that you don't just take a stranger to a fish show and you're not just going to take someone out of their lived experience or their experience down in the valley and thrust them up onto Mount Rainier. It's this pilgrimage of coming up and seeking answers. There's a curiosity, there's an interest, and there's a desire for, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of this. And I really want to kind of press through to find out what else is going on. Here's the real conundrum here is that so many folks are still asking about what is this damn lunch counter? I don't get the lunch counter. I don't understand it. I'm going to tell you that that is in part your ADHD at play because your ADHD breaks down the ability to connect causation with impact or effect. And so naturally, the barrier, you're not going to necessarily see it. So if you don't see it, you're not thinking about, oh, what's on the other side of that? But if you keep coming, now we're not going to convert you into fish fans. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm on the fence, but I'm I was almost like you know hey maybe maybe uh you know when the whole COVID thing clears up maybe I'll put my hand up like Shelly you know take me I don't know I'm not I'm not sure I'm there yet people we'll do an but. episode on that if we ever get you to go <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I could I think it could happen but with ADHD and getting to this place to walk through to the other side is this place of readiness and acceptance. And it goes back to this awareness piece. 
how can you appreciate a model that is a cause and effect model if your brain is throwing a wrench around connecting cause and effect? So it's frustrating. This work that we do, as you're listening, I know that part of what we do is really frustrating if you can't appreciate what's beyond the lunch counter. The level one symptoms, the learning, getting your answers, just want to say that there is more to it. And it is a process and it begins with awareness. So, so often, I think the bull in the china shop is often a metaphor for individuals with ADHD is that they're in there and they don't know about the plates that they're knocking over. They're having their experience, but they're not able to see just as I was not able to see that I was struggling with completion and I wasn't able to see the collateral damage of my actions and inactions around not being able to complete and take my goods to market until it was revealed to me. And I couldn't really run away from that, but coming up and okay, it's starting with this acceptance piece. If you're still finding yourself confused by this metaphor, as Cam said, that's normal. It's okay. You're not alone in that. Something that might help Cam is the about page on our website, which is translatingadhd.com, because there we talk about understand, own, translate. And really, Mount Rainier is a more detailed version of that model. It's how we get our clients through the understand, own, translate process and how we're hoping you as listeners are able to engage with that process. So if you're not quite grasping the metaphor yet, go read Understand, Own, Translate and familiarize yourself with what that means because that's a great starting place. And usually when I start with a new client, I start with that language because it's a little easier to grasp. It's not quite so rich And we're not jumping ahead trying to talk about cause and effect when they're not yet seeing the barriers between cause and effect for themselves. Well said. I think also today, what we wanted to do was bring in some client examples of how clients are doing this work around the lunch counter and their first forays above the lunch counter into causation. So I've got one in particular that I want to share, Shelly. And it's around rules. If you're making up rules, and often it's sort of someone saying, well, that seems kind of arbitrary, it might give you some insight and a pathway through the lunch counter. I want to give an example of three different rules that I see in my clients, different manifestations on Mount Rainier. The one is, again, it was, this was in the Discord, in our Above the Lunch Counter channel was this, I can't share this thing until it's fully baked, absolutely done and complete. I can't share it with anyone until it's absolutely done. So that's a rule. And it can be applied to emails like your client you've spoken of. It can be applied to projects. So what happens is, do you see the conundrum there? Well, okay, I can't share it until it's done. But guess what? We over-contextualize, we keep building, we keep accessorizing. This accessorizing, contextualizing, building out the story is like, have I shared enough? I don't think I've shared enough. I think I need, there's always more to share. That big brain experience of, 
where are the limits? And so we just keep building this story. And then this email becomes a novel. And then we never get it off our plate. Meanwhile, business is going. People are waiting for stuff. You've got more stuff piling up and you create a log jam. So this rule is this kind of a convenient way to not limit, to say, okay, this is enough. For me, again, it was like kind of praying at the altar of the idea generator and just like letting those ideas keep coming and like, well, don't stop it because guess what? There's also that it's stimulating, right? It's the big signal is that pops of the novel new idea. Oh, I can share more. I can share more. So do you see listeners, this is tethering the causation of our inability to inhibit and stop. And then it's manifesting in our workday of, well, kind of going silent, going dark. (laughs) Our colleagues are like, "Uh, I've sent you, I sent this email to them and it's like ghost town. Like what's going on? Cam, you there? Hello? And then what do people do? They make assumptions of, oh, they forgot it. They don't care. When actually we care a lot. It's the overthinking it that happens there with that specific rule. Cam, I'd like to layer onto that rule with a client example of my own because I had a client who very much had that on board. When she came to coaching, this was the fantasy bubble client who realized that she was by and large trying to pass as neurotypical and that that was not working for her. And that's the place that she came to coaching. So she has this rule on board that it's got to be complete before she can share, that she can't engage collaborators. But on top of that, she's a freelancer who is being underpaid in a role that is asking too much of her. And when we started to break that down, we realized a couple of things. Number one, she joined this particular organization because she really did believe in the mission. She thought it was really cool work. She was really excited to engage with it. She was really excited at the opportunity to grow with the organization. But as we started to look at the organization's leadership, we realized that those barriers to growth had nothing to do with her, which is something she did not realize before. She was conflating it with what she wasn't getting done, with that rule of, I have to have it done imperfect before I turn it in. And she wasn't even seeing the bigger picture that the organization was not going to move forward in the way she hoped it would because the leadership of the organization was not leading it in the right direction. And so that is distinguishing or failure to distinguish. She was failing to distinguish between the two. And with that one down ADHD perspective, she was taking it all on as her stuff to solve. So while she thought the work was working on these rules, and some of it was, you know, we took learning from this role and brought it into new roles. The bigger work ahead was to decide if she saw a path forward with this organization or not. And that was completely invisible to her at the start of our time together. So this is where, when we talk about individual manifestation, why it's so critical, because my client's experience and what Cam was just talking about look very similar on the surface. But for my client, there was another layer there 
that if we didn't address, she was going to stay stuck in that organization, stuck feeling like she is inadequate, like she's not doing enough when really it wasn't her thing to solve. The root of that particular problem wasn't her at all. So yes, there's that individual manifestation. And we talked about all these different ways that these executive functions can conspire and create causation. But also ADHD is this constellation. It's a constellation of you know, these specific areas of breakdowns. So right there for her, and again, it's really fascinating. If you can kind of point back to like this executive function breakdown, that self-awareness, or as Barclay talks about self-directed attention in that moment where she's looking at this stuff and this dilemma, where does she go? She focuses down to her problem and excludes everything else. So that's a focus dilemma, but it's a focus thing, not about like, where did I leave my keys? It's really about scale. We can go way down in the weeds or we can go high global and miss details. So she was in this detail and she was missing all this, the stuff that wasn't working anyway, that had nothing to do with her. But guess what? There is more cause and effect to look at actual, all the causation. So this sort of taking a step back is always a good move here to consider what else might be at play. Let's look beyond your own one foot by one foot plot. So people get up on Mount Rainier and they're like little microbiologists looking at petals of a, some kind of mountain laurel. I know mountain laurel is not a Mount Rainier, but just bear with me, folks, right? We just get in there, like, look at our own stuff, not considering there's other stuff going on that has nothing to do with our own ADHD. It's this management regulation thing. We dive in and go for the biggest signal, which is often our perception of the failure. The failure is all mine, all or nothing. And then it plays out in interesting ways. I've got another one I want to share that's, I think, on another side of Mount Rainier. And so this is my fast brain clients, a lot of my fast brain clients are serial entrepreneurs. They're business people and they're hard chargers. And they have this rule of, you know, if you can't handle the heat, get out. That collateral damage or that there's going to be, you know, people are going to get hurt. And that's just the price of doing business. And that's a rule. It's a convenient rule that then gives them this, well, I can just, you know, torched earth. It's okay. So moving forward, not communicating, not understanding, not connecting with others and stopping seeking to understand the other person's position. I have a client, he was a fellow from Kentucky. He was like, I was not a good salesperson, but what I did was I wore them down. I just wore them down. Just that pushing hard forward, get the sale, but then losing key relations. And again, this rule is kind of convenient and it protects us in this mode. We talk about modes, kind of like just keep going. But the dilemma there with that person is that pause. It's the inhibiting, the pausing to pivot, consider, articulate, to bring your people along. It's like, well, they can't keep up with me. So I'm going to cut them loose and keep going forward and I'll find more people. But then if you see these patterns kind of repeat themselves, 
this is the thing that's very predictable about the slopes of Mount Rainier, is if you go up here, you'll find these experiences tend to repeat themselves. And that's actually our friend. It may be frustrating, but it's where the learning is to build some awareness and bring curiosity and some acceptance. Okay, this is what's happening. Last week, we talked about coming to terms with the real pain. What is the pain? And to accept it and move forward and consider. And it's not about just sheer effort to stop. You have ADHD. It's not a matter of just willing the ability to come to a stopping place. It might be about taking meds. It might be about meditation. It might be about sleep and exercise. But these practices of finding people that you can, like, hey, let's stop and consider. So introducing something like a Rockefeller huddle, it, it doesn't have to be that we're doing like wholesale brain conversions here, that the fast brain has to become this considerate and thoughtful individual. It's really about what is the complementary behavior that's going to go with that fast brain. So introducing a stand-up at the beginning of your day, 15 minutes at most, what's going on? What's your dilemma? Where do you need help? What's next? To just consider before you go forward. With the big brain and around activation or that kind of like, I can't, right? I can't share it unless it's fully baked. It's like, okay, what are small portions that I can share? To share and with this understanding of, okay, this is a work in process. Can I hand it off to you and limit expectations? Because, oh, there's another place up on the slopes of Rainier where we will like attach something to that expectation flagpole and run it up there way high. So the point that Cam is making here is that we're not done when we get to those bigger causations. Cam's big idea generator, his failure to complete, those are still things that are with him today and patterns that show up today, just as they did 20 years ago. My perfectionism is still something that shows up in a pattern that repeats itself just as it did five years ago when I started working with Cam. It doesn't go away. It does get better. And that's why we call coaching and the work that we want people to do, whether it's in coaching sessions or with this podcast, a learning action model. You go up the slopes, you try something, whether it goes really well or really poorly or somewhere in between, rather than just saying, okay, that's a print if it goes well, or okay, let's just throw the whole thing out if it goes poorly, taking a moment to learn from that and then applying that learning over and over again. And eventually you start to build this body of knowledge about yourself. There's not one strategy that disrupts my perfectionism. There are dozens and it's dependent on the scenario and any number of other things going on, adding into that manifestation. But as the years have gone by and as I've done my own work, I now have that body of knowledge to draw on. I can step back recognize and name the behavior when it's happening, which is the first step anyway, and then start to draw on what I already know, rather than feeling like I have to reinvent the wheel every time. I just was reminded recently of my challenge to complete. And so all fall, I'm trying to get a septic 
truck out to my house to pump out a septic. I, you do it every three to five years. It was overdue. And, and by the way, this is not just an ADHD thing because I've been asking people and a lot of neurotypicals I know are like, septic? I thought they just took care of themselves, right? What I need to pump it? Really? So that's not the ADHD thing here. The ADHD thing was I let it go. And then on Christmas Eve, we get a surprise. Uh-oh. Right? Uh-oh. Yeah. A flooding in the basement. And you know, and no one working, you know, the pump trucks are, are you know, like, <laughs> park those pump trucks on Christmas Eve people. That's what I've learned. And I'm, I'm also appreciating indoor plumbing too, because we went back to the 1600s of London very quickly. But the difference was this, was that I realized, okay, my failure to follow through on this in part made this happen, but it happened, accept it. And what I didn't do was in the past, I would kind of tether my whole being to this failure and drop deep, deep into a valley crevasse, into a darkness of self-loathing. And I didn't do that. I had some choice words in the house. My 12-year-old's like, why is dad cussing so much? (laughs) (laughs) I I had to go upstairs and like, don't, I want you to remember me not as just cussing at the septic. You know, but remember <laughs> those kind moments too, children. <laughs> but here we are, Monday morning. Yeah, I've been talking to folks. We can resolve this. It's resolvable. And back to this, you know, understanding, oh yeah, you know, attention to detail and not letting this thing tether to some bigger meaning, like it's a some kind of colossal failure on my part. Most things are solvable, but it starts with this, as you said, this body of knowledge to come back to. That's the thing we do is as we build our trail up, you know, the pilgrimage trail, and then above these goat trails that we start to wear down, where are these familiar places on the slopes that we go to, to see causation and how it tethers back to effect, to just be, oh, yes, this is familiar, not to have that shock of, why has this always happened to me? Why? Why? That why question doesn't move you forward. It has you drop back into the valley. But asking why with curiosity to get that keen observer, bring them to the show, to look around and appreciate and have that experience, and then look for resources around you that can support you. My wife. That, that truth teller, I just kept looking at her like, boy, she could be really pissed, you know, and she's not. It's just having a supportive individual with me. It's like, hey, we're going to get through this. There's a resource that I really appreciate. She's someone that holds that door open, just as you kind of where we started the show today with when you go to a fish show and someone's coming with you, it's not that you just grab someone and go. There's a readiness there, but there's a partnership in this sort of holding the door for them and not forcing them through. Well said, Cam. And I appreciate you relaying that particular anecdote because it highlighted what I was saying about the learning action model and how it gets easier at the lunch counter and above the slopes. But you added a second element that I want to call out, and that's when we do fall in the valleys, which does still happen to both of us sometimes. 
it's not as deep or as all-encompassing. And there are times, like with this issue for you, where we can bypass the valleys entirely, where we can start on the path to get back up to the lunch counter to do the work that needs to be done. Nicely said. Hey, so I think that is a good place for us to wrap for today. Hey, listeners who left us a review last week, thank you so much for that. I appreciate you responding to my little call out there. Reviews are the number one way that you can help the show because reviews help more people find us. So if you haven't yet left a review, please take a moment to do so if you have the bandwidth. The other way you can support the show is by becoming a patron. Visit the website translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, not only are you supporting the show, you are able to join our Discord community where our listeners are doing their own Mount Rainier work together. They are supporting each other in a coach-like way. And it's really incredible to see. And we're adding some interesting stuff in 2021 with the Discord. So look for new happenings and new developments there. Yeah, stay tuned for that. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. Thank you.